The Information Security Forum, a global security body that's focused on cybersecurity and information risk management, has just released its latest Threat Horizon report, which looks at the emerging cyber threats industries across the board will face over the next two years. Disruption, distortion, and deterioration are three major themes highlighted in this new report. And today I'm joined by Steve Durbin, Managing Director of the Forum and a featured speaker at Information Security Media Group's upcoming Fraud and Breach Prevention Summit in Atlanta on April 25th and 26th, to explain how these themes are expected to impact business and critical infrastructure sectors between now and 2019. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. Steve, thank you for joining me today to offer some insights about this latest Threat Horizon report. Why disruption, distortion, and deterioration? Why do these themes stand out? Thank you for asking me to join in with this podcast. I think what we've done this year with the Threat Horizon, and the Threat Horizon reports now have been produced for the last decade, we've got a pretty well-established means of coming up with different challenges and, and threats that organizations are going to face. What we've done this year is really try to look at some of the basic elements of how we see cyber evolving over the coming two-year period. And the first of those is really looking at the infrastructure that we tend to use to connect either with each other or indeed to other organizations. So I'm thinking particularly here things like the internet. I'm thinking of uh, the actual smart devices that are increasingly becoming very much more prevalent. If that's sort of the infrastructure issues, what about information? What about the integrity of that information now? And one of the more worrying trends that we're beginning to see, I think, is this pushing out of perhaps misinformation or in the falsification of information in order to compromise either an individual or an organization. Information is really, I think, a key tenet that we need to be preserving the integrity of over the coming two years. And then finally, Finally, we couldn't really produce this report without looking in some detail about the impact of regulation and of technology. We're seeing so much more from a regulatory standpoint now all around the world, whether it be with things like the DFS in um, New York State, for instance, or whether it be GDPR across the European Union, or whether it be surveillance laws. All of these things are having an impact on organizations as they try to operate across cyberspace. Really, I think it was about us looking at infrastructure issues, about ways in which information is being managed, and then that regulatory background, because I think those are the three major challenges, if we want to look at 32,000 feet level, that, that organizations are going to have to be dealing with over the coming two-year period. The report also identifies nine specific threats that will fall under those three themes that you just discussed. We don't have to go through all of those threats, but can you walk us through just a handful of these nine specific threats and why they're so concerning? The first one that I, that I would have to pull out here is the internet. One of the key threats that we talk about in the report is what we term the premeditated internet outages, which have obviously a very significant impact on trade. It doesn't actually matter what line of business you're in today. Everybody is hugely dependent upon the internet. We view it as a utility. You turn the tap and on it comes. We anticipate nation states and other cybercrime groups looking for new methods and ways of creating disruption. Causing internet outages, of course, is just one of the ways of having a very significant impact. And we've already started to see that, certainly in uh, emerging economies. Uh, we've also seen a significant amount of internet downtime over the last 12 months, the cost of which is something in the region of $2.5 billion. These are very significant elements. We are making, I think, too much of an assumption that the internet will be there. The challenge, I think, in this space in particular is we need to reassess our business continuity plans. We need to be looking at alternatives when the internet isn't there. And that, for some organizations, will be very, very difficult because they are so dependent upon it. But I think if we can plan for some of these things, then at least we have some fallback measures. And we've included in our incident management processes and also perhaps in some of our strategic business planning. Internet is one that, that, that I would pull out front and center, probably the key threats within certainly that first theme that focuses on disruption. How could we conduct business without the Internet? I think all of us are so dependent on the Internet. 
have to understand what our dependence is on it and, and what the impact of that would be on our daily lives if we're a piano from an individual standpoint or indeed on our organizations. And, and the answer in some of those instances would be that it is significant and indeed dramatic. We are so dependent upon it. So what can you do about it? understand what your exposure might be, understand just how dependent you are on this thing that actually nobody owns, nobody necessarily maintains, but we all use. Are there ways in which critical information that you need to share and currently use the internet to, uh, to do so could be transferred if it weren't there? Just think through that process. Look at how you can collaborate better with third parties that you share information with. You know, are there other ways of doing it? Do you have some other form of backup that you could use? Ultimately, of course, the internet is part of critical infrastructure and anything that takes down critical infrastructure will have necessarily a significant impact. All you can do is just be prepared for that, rehearse the processes that you would go through, but understanding, as I say, how dependent you are and where your critical information is and how it is necessarily transferred and perhaps looking for other ways of doing that are, uh, are certainly going to be some of the essentials when you consider this threat within your organization. Looking at some of the other threats, do you think the threats have changed that much over the last year or two, or do you see the same threats just kind of recycling, circling back year after year? I think they have changed, Tracy. I think we're, we're still seeing some of the old favorites that are, that are in there, you know. But certainly some of the big changes for me, it's going to be in the area, as I've just mentioned, of infrastructure, but also very much more in the area of information. Now, from an information security standpoint, of course, we've always talked about the importance of confidentiality, integrity, and availability of information. One of the big changes, though, is that because we're so much more dependent upon information, the data, it's the lifeblood of the organization, it's a cliche, but unfortunately, it's very, very true. We're much more susceptible to things like misinformation being spread. One of the ones that worries me much more, falsification of information within some of our data Databases. We're producing so much data, it's very, very difficult for organizations to ensure the integrity of that information. And we use that data for all sorts of, of business decisions. And that takes us into the realms of how do we, from an organizational standpoint, preserve the integrity of our reputation, perhaps on social media? How do we ensure that the databases that we are using that are key to our businesses, that perhaps are in the cloud, are managed effectively? How do we monitor access to sensitive information? I think we're going to see very much more use of things like federated identity and access management, content management systems, so using technology to help us in this space. That's because some of the threats that perhaps we were aware of in, in the past, certainly we've always been aware of the need for integrity around information, but it's becoming very much more of an attractive area for cybercrime gangs and indeed for unscrupulous competitors who might want to either spread mischief or indeed actually do a little bit more than that, perhaps delaying research and development projects and stealing core intellectual property from competitors around the world. Some of these things certainly are changing the overall threat landscape beyond what we'd seen in the past. I've been hearing much more over the last couple of years about the blurring lines between cybercrime and nation state attacks. The same methods and motives appear to be driving both today. Are you seeing a similar trend? I think it is worrying. I think it is very concerning, Tracy. I think you're spot on with it. One of the things that has happened in this particular space is, and you'll, you'll recall that probably for about the last couple of years, certainly I've always described cybercrime gangs as entrepreneurial businesses. So very agile, very ready to adopt new ways of working and thinking. They've matured beyond that. They're now highly structured, very, very competent, very collaborative, large enterprises. And of course, they have moved into offering a whole range of different services. We've seen the resurgence or, or rival crime as a service and the price points around certain things that you buy on the, on the dark net dropping, which 
you know, from a marketing standpoint, tells me that there is more demand out there than anything else. And of course, people are meeting that demand with increased supply and with increased products. Those are inevitably going to wind up being used in the nation state space. And certainly some of the advances that we're seeing from nation state actor perspective are going to end up in the cyber criminal environment as well. Why? Because both of those elements are feeding off each other. One of the things that is characteristic of that particular dark market is that they don't suffer from some of the things that the good guys do. They don't suffer from budget constraints. They are all highly educated, highly competent when it comes to being able to get hold of the latest technology and use that. The other thing about all of the uh, the, the dark side of this is that they don't need to get lucky very often in order to create significant impact, whereas we always have to be playing a very defensive game and we can't afford to let anyone get past the uh, protective side of things. It's a trend that we're going to see continuing. I think it's one that certainly is concerning large organizations, multinationals, certainly of concern to law enforcement. And this is why I think it's so very important for there to be increased collaboration, both between the private sector and the public, law enforcement, government agencies, but also across governments and across multiple jurisdictions so that we can really try to focus in on how we can put together a defensive plan that is going to be effective against some of these upcoming attacks. This kind of coordination between cybercrime and rogue governments, does this make the case for why attribution is becoming more important, Steve? Yes, it does. If you can find where these attacks are coming from, you can begin to do something about it. And one of the challenges inherent in that is that the internet has really enabled global sharing of information for good and also for, for cybercrime. Attribution becomes very, very important because if we can attribute effectively, we know exactly then where the attacks are stemming from. And we can look at the measures that we can effectively then take to combat that whether that be of a political nature, whether it be perhaps through sanctions, if you want to move down that particular road, or whether it really is very much more into empowering law enforcement, I'm thinking potentially people like Interpol on the, on the international stage, uh, to be able to, uh, to take action. Attribution, I think, is going to become very much more important. Very easy to say, by the way, very difficult to do. You know, we shouldn't underestimate the amount of effort that is required in order to effectively come up with the correct attribution for these attacks. And before we close, are there any additional thoughts you'd like to share about the report? These are threats we see emerging and evolving over the coming two years, but that doesn't mean to say that they aren't affecting organizations in some way, shape or form today. There's no room for complacency in all of this. Very often, some of these threats will combine. There is an increased need for focus on business continuity, uh, incident management, and above all, collaboration across industry and across corporation, but also essentially, I think, within the enterprise to really figure out just how important some of these threats are to the business and therefore what measures need to be taken at all levels in the business in order to combat the impact of them should they ever come to pass within your organization. Steve, as always, I appreciate your thoughts and I look forward to seeing you in Atlanta. Thanks very much indeed, Tracy. Look forward to it. We've just heard from Steve Durbin of the Information Security Forum. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.